Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're with us, especially you're here with us for the very first time. I always mention and welcome our guests because I always like to bring you back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why I know when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So my hope is that you would come back and check us out and we would be your spiritual family. If you were watching online, man, we're so glad that you're with us. Like, comment, share, leave a review. We'd love for you to just kind of be active in the chat. Helps us get through some of those social media algorithms. Real quick, as a side note, I just want to take a moment and talk to everybody watching online. Okay, I want to be sensitive to this, but I think this is important. Um, If you are at home and you're at home because of health, take care of yourself. Amen? Take care of yourself, right? But if you're at home and you don't come to church, not because of health, but because of habit, it's now become a habit where you kind of like, no, I'm good with not going to church and kind of hanging out in my pajamas. You need to come back. Everybody say come back. Okay, because I'm telling you, there's something about being in the house of God. You don't need another sermon. You need a hug. And so... If, if, I'm not going to compete with the best sermon preachers on YouTube right now, but, but I'm telling you right now, you walk into this church, we're going to compete with some of the best huggers in the world because we, we're going to welcome you, and you need to talk to somebody and have a conversation face to face. Come on, don't get me. I'll start preaching if I will. I, I'm going to leave that alone. Come back. Everybody say come back. I love you. All right, we are starting a brand new series today called Thanks Living, and I know that's not what we're, it's not a real word, and I get it, because some of you guys, high C personality, you're like, I, that's not a word, Pastor, I appreciate that, it's not in the dictionary, but we put them together because we feel like, how can you live a life, think about this, how can you live a life that's, that's thankful all the time? How do, you, how do you make it where it's not just a weekend, we, you know, a Thursday on the end of the month in November, and it's a holiday, but really becomes a, a lifestyle. How do you do that? You know, and I think if you read the scriptures, uh, you see so much, especially through the life of Jesus and through some of the writings of the Apostle Paul and what he talks to us about living a Christian life. I mean, it's hard to do that, but he really encourages us. I think God admonishes us, hey, we need to live thankful. And there's something not that it's so interesting you're starting to see now, even just scientifically, all of the medical community and especially in the mental health field is that there's there's something powerful that's not just spiritual, but it's physical that happens that when you live a life thankful and full of gratitude, it'll actually physically and chemically alter your brain for the, the good. And so we, we need to learn how to do that. So there's something, it's almost like, it's almost like God knew what he was talking about, you know, when he said, let's be thankful. And so we're going to be in First Thessalonians. If you don't know anything about the Bible um, and you're new here, which by the way, we have so many people who don't know anything about God or the Bible who show up every weekend. And, and so I'm so happy that you're here. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. And so uh, the Bible is an interesting book. It's a complicated book, but it's broken up into two main sections, the Old Testament, New Testament. And in the New Testament, you'll see uh, it really kind of starts with the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are what we call the Gospels or the Synoptic Gospels. And really just they're, they're the kind of the biography of Jesus, like what his life was like and his, his, his birth, his, his ministry life and career, and then his death and resurrection. And, and we get after that, you get Acts and you get Romans. You start to get into certain letters written by a, name, a guy named Paul. And he was an apostle who started planting church. Apostle just means he plants churches on this area. And him and Silas, he has this guy he works with, he, he plants his church in a place called Thessalonica, and it's like modern-day Greece now. So that's kind of where we're at, okay? So that's the region that he's at. He plants his church there, and 
Some interesting things starts happening. It's actually one of the known, if you look into history, it's one of the known recorded times where when Paul planted a church, there was so much persecution, it actually drove him out of the city. Because you can't, like Paul was one of those like men's men, like he was a tough, rough dude. He was used to debating. He was, I mean, an old school Pharisee. He knew what he was talking about. So to run a guy like that out of the city, what meant that you were getting some heavy, heavy persecution because a lot of times what Paul was pre- preaching about was that Jesus is the true king. And when you're in a, a Roman province ruled by Caesar, Caesar don't like that. So, you know, you're starting to see all of these things and, and having a bunch of these moments. And so he runs off and he starts writing these letters back to, to the church at Thessalonica and encouraging them and admonishing them. And he hears some good reports. Honestly, he starts to hear that yeah, the church is growing, even though it's being persecuted. The church is doing great, even though they're preaching everything counterculture to what's happening in the world at the time. And so Paul writes this great letter and we get to the end. There's a first Thessalonians and then there's a second Thessalonians. And we get to the end of first Thessalonians, this is chapter five. And it's a unique moment where Paul, by the way, First Thessalonians starts with a prayer. It has a mid-prayer, and then it ends with a prayer, and most of it has to do with thanksgiving. And in the moment of chapter 5, he has this final statement moment. He has these, like, final words. It's kind of like, hey, if I'm going to leave you for one, uh, I remember reading the one commentary that said, if Paul was dropping you off at college, giving you the final words, come on, right? Like saying, hey, just remember this above all else. He kind of gets into these final, this is like chicken soup for the soul kind of stuff. Like, just this is how you live your life. In verse 12 of chapter 5, it says this, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you, and they give you spiritual guidance. Verse 13, show them great respect, wholeheartedly love because of their work, and live peaceably with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm like some lazy folk out there. So it's then and there's now. And he's encouraged those who are timid. So if you're timid in here, it's like, come on, wake, come on, give them some courage. Take tender care of those who are weak. That's us getting around those who need help. Be patient with everyone. I mean, this is a word for us right now going in. Thank- this is your public service announcement. Thanksgiving is this Thursday. Some of y'all's blood pressure just raised. Like, oh my gosh, I got to go get the, the turkey and the stuff. You, you're already stressed out about it. And I won't give you the stats on like something like 40 million, like 40 million turkeys are going to be sold this, this year. $800 million on turkeys going to be, there's it, it, a lot, 200 million pounds is going to be wasted, thrown in the trash. That's what the science says, just so you all know. Those are just fun stats. I, I'm, I'm silly like that. Anyway, um, it says, verse 15, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Man, that's such a good verse for our social media world right now. Verse 16, always be joyful. Everybody smile. Come on, just smile. Just give me just it's with your teeth. Can you show me your teeth? Smile. All right, look at your neighbor and just smile. It's so odd. We're gonna have an odd moment. Just smile. It's all good. Be joyful. Be joyful. You're like, Thanksgiving's coming up. It's gonna be good. Verse 18, And Paul says something weird. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. I'm like, Paul, that don't make no sense. But okay, you're Paul. I guess I should listen. Well, this is, then he said, that's just not my opinion. This is God's opinion. This is God's will for who, for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So I felt like I had a couple of outs. Be thankful. That's just Paul. I don't need to listen to Paul. All right, it's God. I guess I got to listen to God. And then he says, not only do you have, it's from God, it's for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are a Christian in here, he's talking to you. If you're not a Christian in here, congratulations, you got out of it. He says, verse 19, he says, 
Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. That's a good one. By the way, we are a Holy Spirit filled church. We still believe in the gifts of the Spirit, that the Spirit can move, that He's not dead. It's not an it, it's a he. he. He's alive, He's with us. That's a good thing. Do not scoff at prophecies, it's good. But let, test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. Paul gives us this incredible kind of letter at the end of, our, of his moment. I thought it was interesting, but one, one, one space, one sentence stood out to me I thought was appropriate for our season. And before we continue with that, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. I thank you that today we have a moment in time where we can speak about you and your son, Jesus. And I know that today, God, you have something to say to us. Each and every one of us have come in here with our own baggage and burdens, hurts, pains, fears, anxieties, worries. And, and today, those can melt away under the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that today, God, you would help us to be thankful in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I love my mother. Uh, she's an amazing woman of God. Um, maybe the reason that I'm on this platform is because I had a mom who prayed every day for my salvation slash, you know, sanity. And, and she knew, I think early on when I talked to her about it, she knew that God was, was working on my heart. Um, and she used to say great things uh, about me and over me in my life. If you're a parent in here, one of the most, the best investments you can make into your children is not into a retirement account for them. It's into their spiritual retirement account to speak over their life and call them who they are going to be, right? Because uh, sometimes you can't see it in who they are now. Come on, parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. You have to see who they could be. And so you got to speak to who they can be one day, and you're like, you ain't that now. But but the re you know the reason I call a lot. Some of y'all like laugh at me when I say this, but I'll, I'll, I'll speak. You know, if I see a man, I'll see. Come on, man of God, I'll call you a man of God, uh, or you know, lady walk, woman of God. And in lots, so some people make fun of me about that because that's kind of our language here. And I'm like, but you don't even know if he's a man of God. I said, I, that don't matter. I'm calling it who he can be. We're gonna speak life over him. We're gonna just God. You can be. You can be a good. Mom used to say, but, but my mom also used to have some funny things to say, though. Mom used to say, uh, y'all have, like, mom-isms growing up. You know what I'm talking about? Like, what she says, kind of silly, funny things. One, a, a few of them, I, I kind of wrote them down. I thought they were funny. Um, um, she used to say, and this might be, this is not maybe even unique to her, but she used to say stuff like, if you, if you can't say nothing nice, right, come on, y'all know what this one is, right? Like, then don't, don't say anything at all. Yeah, so she used to say that all the time. And, and so she taught me how to, how to do that. And um, I didn't listen. You know, I would just say whatever I wanted. Um, she, uh, I used to tell my mom I was bored a lot. So she used to tell me, she goes, Aaron, if you're bored, I'll give you something to do, right? Come on, y'all. Did anybody have mom ever tell you that? But like, you never told mom that you were bored because she would put a broom in your hand with a quickness. And I'd be like folding clothes, mowing the lawn. I mean, it was like, I felt like she had like a list of chores waiting for me to say, I'm bored, you know, and she said, if, I, if you're bored, um, she'd say this a lot because I'd run away. She'd go, hey, be where I can see you. She should be, be where I can see you. And I was like, what does that mean? She goes, she goes, you can't get, if you can't see me, right, then I can't see you. Be where I could see you. It was kind of just a fun, fun thing that she used to, you know, kind of say on a regular basis. But one of the things she used to tell me a lot that I thought was interesting, she says, she used to, whenever I would be complaining, I'd be complaining, because I'm a complainer, uh, you know, that's how I was, you know, growing up. And so she would, she would, she would say, stop complaining, be thankful, it could be a whole lot worse. Did, mom, did anybody's mom ever say that to, to them? Like, or some version of that, right? Like, she'd be thankful. 
it could be a whole lot worse. And I feel like Paul in this moment, they reminded me of my mom because because he in verse 18, he says something so radical, especially for us right now. That he says, be thankful in all circumstances. He didn't say be thankful in the good circumstances. Be thankful when things are going your way. Be thankful when everybody said yes to you. Be thankful when your bank account feels good. Be thankful when your wife's not screaming. Be thankful when your husband did what you asked him to do. Be thankful when your kids are acting right. Be thankful when all those things. But when you're not, those things are, then you don't have to worry about being thankful. But when I look back at the scripture, he used that, that silly word that I hate. It's all. And I was like, I don't understand, Paul, because you seem to miss out on life and that life could be pretty hard. I mean, how do you be? That's a question you have to ask yourself when you're reading the Bible. You can't just read the Bible. You have to read the Bible. So when the Bible says something like you got to be thankful in all circumstances, that means he's being thankful. How do you be? My question that came up to Paul was was like, okay, Paul, how do you be thankful when your dreams collapse? Like, how do you be thankful when you love someone? And then they say it's over. How do you be thankful when you have a chronic sickness or a disease? How do you be thankful when you were a part of the layoffs right before the holidays? How do you be thankful when you have a prodigal son or daughter that's... You look back and you're like, I didn't raise them that way. I don't understand. When you lose, how do you be thankful when you lose a loved one unexpectedly? I'm talking about real life, y'all. Because there's a Christian subculture that wants you to kind of gloss over and go, God's good all the time and all the time. God is good. And you kind of, we, 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 we have to be programmed to be like Christian kind of like machines and, and bots Right. That we don't under you're not supposed to recognize and acknowledge that life can sometimes be pretty terrible. How do you be thankful when the doctor's doctor said it's it's cancer? Or says it's a loved one's cancer. I remember when I was I used to be a worship pastor at a church and I was um, backstage and uh, right before the. The church was starting. The countdown was on. The five-minute countdown was on. And my phone started to ring, and I had it on silent because, you know, I'm going to be on the platform. And um, I, I silenced it. didn't even look at it. Phone rang again. Silenced it. didn't even look at it. Phone rang again. I'm like, what's going on? I look at it. It's my mom. And I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get it later. Silence. It rang again. I said, like, mom, she keeps texting me. I, okay, she keeps calling me. I, I just, I can't. Do it. She calls me the fifth time. I'm like, there's something wrong. Pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, mom, I'm about to go on platform. Are you okay? Is everything all right? And she couldn't even articulate. She was crying so much. She was in a panic attack, freaking out. She says, I just got a report from the doctor that I have, I have cancer. I'm going to die. Oh, and by the way, the countdown's going on. And the first song is, how great is our God? I mean, you, so what I'm saying is you can't make this stuff up, right? I can't come up here as a pastor and be like, hey, you guys should just be thankful all the time. Because the, why, pastor? Well, because the Bible says. Without giving you context to why the Bible would even say that, in a moment when your life is in sh- shambles, I, I know, I know, I know that like right now, everybody's hurting. 
The last 18 months have been maybe the worst ever. And for me to come up here and have the audacity to preach on thankfulness, right? Some of you are like, really? How about how to get through a tough season? How about how to deal with bad times, right? Like that's the sermons. Don't tell me how to be thankful. That makes no sense. And Paul tells us to be thankful. And you're like, Paul, that makes no sense. And I kept reading it, and I got frustrated, and I got mad, and I got confused. And then the, the Holy Spirit was kind of talking to me a little bit because I was kind of pouty. I don't know if you all get pouty with God. I was like, I'm getting pouty because I'm like, God, you don't understand, and you don't know my hurts, and apparently you're not paying attention. And if you're not paying attention, you don't care. And he pointed me to a word I thought was interesting. He goes, he goes Aaron, you realize Paul said be thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. And my eyes were open and he said, he said, yeah, yeah, Aaron, there's something about you having to figure out that no matter what comes to you and comes against you and whatever you feel, that sometimes in those moments, sometimes the, the, I'm giving you the way out. I'm giving you the way to hold on. That if you can learn to be thankful in those circumstances, something good has the potential to come out of those circumstances. So, so I'll give you an example. The other day, I went to my, my, parent, my parents' house, and I take my kids. My kids love going to my, my, my parents' house because um, I have five young boys. And uh, we, we show up, and they're the typical grandparents. My kids love their house because there's candy everywhere. There's cookies everywhere. There's iPads everywhere. It's nonstop fun. It's Disneyland just all the time. And so we have to measure their time. They, they always want to be over there. So I'm like, okay, we show up. And every time we go over, I'm like, sons, listen, y'all can have one cookie, one piece of candy, and I don't care what Grammy or Grandpa says. No. The answer is no. Don't go up and ask them. They're, they don't even, grandparents, y'all don't even know how to say no. You guys lost in your vocabulary. You forgot what the word no was. But you were a parent one time, and you're, that's all you knew. But now they go over to their house. So the other day we go over and I said, son, here's the challenge. Today you guys cannot play on the iPads at Grammy and Grandpa's house. Sorry. And they were so mad at me. They were like, we want out of this family. Where do we sign? This is terrible. You hate us. You hate life. You don't, you're no fun. I was no fun, right? I was the no fun dad. And, uh, and so, and I kind of like it when they call me stuff like that. I'm like, good. You know, yeah, good. I'm no fun. Yeah, deal with it. And so, uh, it's Christian parenting for you. And so... We go over to their house, and they're mad. They're, like, mad the whole time. I'm just like, be thankful. I start turning to my mom, be thankful. Be thankful. You're not, you're not doing something. You're not, you have a house. You have a, you know, we start just doing nonsense stuff, right? Like, be thankful you have hair on your head. Be thankful that you have, you know, you can breathe right now, that there's water. You just start pointing out things, you know what I mean? Be thankful there's paint on the wall. Like, how can I be thankful for that? So anyway, so I just started being silly with them, and because and, uh, they kept coming. They kept, Dad, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm like, good. I'm glad you're bored. Bored's good. I want bored nowadays for kids is a great thing. You're too stimulated. I need you to be bored. And before I hear it, like before I know it, I'm kind of talking with their mom. I start hearing laugh, belly laughing from my children. There's, is there anything, come on parents, is there anything better in the world than to hear your child belly laugh? Like not just hee hee, like ha ha ha. I mean, just rolling on the ground. I'm like, what's going on? So I go in the back room where they're playing, and I go, what happened? And they're like, Dad, we play in this game. Like, have you ever heard of it? It's called hide and go seek. <laughs> I'm like, we got to take all the screens away from our children. This is bad. But they're having fun. 
and it reminded me of those moments because I think sometimes I'm like that with God. I'm like, God, I'm like, so God, I'm praying for this thing, and I need you to happen, and I want you to say yes. And he gets, says no. And then I do what my kids do. I pout, and I complain, and I'm like, mm, God, you don't understand. I'm bored, God. And God's like, good. Yeah, that's good. That sounds about right. You get your mind going other places. And before I know it, I found, come on, isn't it amazing how God can do something in those moments where all of a sudden you have this, you have this revelation, and then all of a sudden the best things come out of the no's of our life from God. And I think, interesting, it's the same concept, God, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful in circumstances. They found joy in it, not from it. They weren't happy that they didn't have no iPads, but they found some joy in it. They found some thankfulness inside of it. So in that spirit of that, I want to give you just four quick thoughts, four quick thoughts. What, 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 what can I always be? Because here's what I want to do. I want to equip you with something. The next time you feel, maybe you feel that right now, the next time you feel like you can't have any, you have nothing to be thankful for, I'm going to give you four things you can be thankful for in all circumstances. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to equip you to actually accomplish what Paul has to say. Instead of just being the typical pastor who tells you, just do it because the Bible says, or get up there and just tell you what the Bible says, and then you go, good luck. I'm going to give you a way to do that. Four quick ways, four thoughts on what you can be thankful. No matter what is going on in your life, you can be thankful for these in all circumstances. Number one, God's grace. God's grace. I can always be thankful for the more than enough grace in my life. Second Corinthians chapter nine says, God has the power to provide you with more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. Oh, come on. Like you're like you're a gospel, good gospel preacher. Come on. Just say more than enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gives you more than enough, more than you thought you needed, more than you thought you had. He gives you more than enough of every kind of what's that word? Grace. He says, I give you more than enough grace. That way you have everything you need always and everything to provide more than enough. I like he says it again, more than enough for every kind of good work. We serve a God who gives us more than enough. I like to think of it like this is that anytime you ever go, you ever go to a, 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 a fast food restaurant and you order a meal with some fries in it. And sometimes you go to your favorite, whatever one it is, it could be, you know, mcdonald's or it's burger king or jesus chicken right chick-fil-a or you know it's you got to have something with fries in it and you you be getting in there and you and you open up the bag and the steam comes out and you can smell all the salt and all the stuff you should not be eating and so you're just smelling it and it sounds it's just so good and you pull out your bag of your your hamburger and you see your fries at the bottom and you pull your fry container out but then at the bottom of the bag is some bonus fries come on there's some little bit of extra. Everybody say extra. And you just count that as good, right? You just said, these don't even count for calories. They're not in the box. I'm just going to eat these. You eat those on the way home. Anybody else do that other than me, right? Y'all just open up the bag. Before you get home, you just start taking a little fry out and saying, I deserve this. That's how God is with his grace, just so you know. Before you know it, you think you accepted God's life, grace into your life. And so you're like, man, this is about my heaven one day. And God says, it's more than enough for that. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than heaven. We, we cheapen it sometimes. It's bigger than just getting somewhere, someplace, someday. That you can actually have heaven on earth a little bit. There's this little bit of God's grace that just kind of moves in, and it's more than enough. I like what Psalms 23 says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I got everything that I need. It gives me more than I thought. I like even what Psalms 103 says. It's so good. It gives us, he says, I will not forget the glorious things that grace, that God does for me. He, he forgives me. 
Okay, so your grace not only got you to heaven, but he's, he's given you forgiveness and he heals me. He's healed you. He, he, he ransoms me from hell. Come on, that's so good. He surrounds me with love. He fills my life with good things. He is merciful and tender to those who don't deserve it, which is me. Everybody say me. Yeah, because you thought about someone else who don't deserve it. And you're like, okay, God, you can give them grace because they don't deserve it. But you you don't either and so you know you're just kind of working about he is slow to get angry and he never bears a grudge he has not punished us enough for what we deserve for our sins come on he is more than enough God's grace can be something we can be thankful for in every season of our life and even when you don't feel like it you can look up to heaven and say God things aren't going well I'm not happy life is not good but your grace is sufficient for me. And in that process, you'll see it's like a light that starts to show you the pathway out of your valley. Number two is this. You can always be thankful for God's redemption. He has an interesting characteristic that I call redemption. It's, It's like the redeeming power of God. I can always be thankful that God is redeeming all things. That, that, that a lot of stuff, ha- isn't true, a lot of stuff happens to us. But it's also true that God is redeeming those things that happen to us. Because what he does is he has the power to take what happened to us, use it through us to make it something better for us. And I love that about God, that, 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 that I'm not a stagnant being. Um, no matter what I go through, God can use it to make me into a better person. If you don't like me right now, just give it time. I'm getting better. Oh, just You should tell your friends that. Just say, you tell your, your wife that, your husband that. Just be, hey, if you don't like me right now, it's okay. I'm, I'm getting better. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm, I'm getting better. I look at your other neighbor and say, I'm almost there. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm just, just give me a minute. Just hang on. Just don't let go, right? Because, because God's working in all things, Romans chapter 8, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. For of, there's, there's caveat, those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So if you love God and you're with him and you're called to his purpose, I mean, God's working some things out in you and for you. I like Philippians chapter 2. I'm just giving you some scriptures to, to just, just to marinate on a little bit this week as you're trying to figure out how do I be thankful this holiday season when crazy's coming over to my house crazy town's about to show up if god is working in you there he is again he's working in you giving you the desire to obey him and power to please do what pleases him second corinthians chapter three as the spirit of the lord works with within us we become more and more like him that's why you don't 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 even paul says it in thessalonians don't stifle the holy spirit don't quench the spirit in your life he's the one who's going to work he's working stuff in you moving stuff around if that doesn't belong there throw that away, put that in. He's working. Why? Because we're all a bit of a work in progress. There's a story. Um, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, um, she was known, at, um, like for people that were around her, that they, they loved her. And they knew that Billy could not do what he was doing without Ruth next to him. They just knew it, the people who were closest to him. You read stories about it. And um, there's a lady named Sheila Wall. She hosted the 700 Club for years. She might still be doing it. But, the, but Ruth mentored Sheila, and Sheila was talking about one of the things that Ruth always brought up was that she was a work in progress, that she was under construction all the way up until the end of her life. And I'm like, 
Something about like Billy Graham and Ruth. Maybe the couple that have done more for God in anyone's lifetime. And she's saying she's a work. She's under construction. She even has a tombstone. I think we have the. I think we have the picture of it. Do we have? Did I ever give you all the picture? Maybe I didn't. No. No. Yes. No. We'll put it in the next service. Check it out online. But but it it says uh, it says under construction. Thanks for thanks for your patience. It's on a tombstone. We're all under. We're all we're all messed up. You're messed up. Did you know that? Awkward pause. It's okay. You're not perfect. What's funny is, is we know that, but we don't we don't like to show people that. I think social media has made it worse because you know you're, you're, you don't post anything that you don't look at eighteen thousand times before you're like, okay, before I post this, do I got the right filter? Does it show what I want it to show? Because if they show my if it, if they see my flaws, then they'll know the real me, and they won't they won't like the real me. By the way, a lot of you know if somebody ever sees the real you, the surprise is really only you. You're the only person surprised by that. Most people see it. We don't show it. We're all a work in progress. I always say, if you don't like me right now, hang on. It's getting better. Why? Because God's redeeming. Number three, number three. What can you be thankful? We're talking about what we can be thankful for no matter what. Third one is this, God's presence. God's presence. I can always be thankful that God is with me. He's, he's with me. Hebrews chapter 13. I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. This is a promise of, okay, of protection, not condemnation. Now, here's what's interesting when I read scriptures like this. Some of us, we can read those things and kind of get freaked out because we read them like when we were little kids. I'll give you an example. My mom used to tell me, um, she's going to be in the third service. She's going to be laughing because I'm using her a lot, but uh, you know, her her isms. But she used to tell me, um, Aaron, you better be good or God's going to get you. He's watching you all the time. You better, you better be good. And when I don't see it, guess what? God sees it. And when you're a little kid, come on, y'all, like, right? When you're a little kid, you're like, where's God? He's like, up in the, he's like in the, the closet somewhere? Is he under my bed? And God becomes the boogeyman? Or... How we think about him in, in adult life is we, he, we see God as like, uh, we have a Greek version of God, like he's Zeus with the beard with lightning in his hand on a cloud far away, and he's watching you to sin, and the moment you sin, you gon' get it. So we read scriptures like that, and we think, well, God's presence is great, but can I like not have him around all the time? Right? But it wasn't for condemnation. It wasn't God's presence around you so he could see you and judge you all the time. He was around you so he can protect you and keep you from danger. He's protecting you. 
So I'm never going to leave you. Isaiah 43 says, when you go through deep waters, anybody in a deep water by now? Anybody want to admit they're in a deep water? Anybody, anybody, anybody? We got one. We got two, three. We got th- four truth tellers, five. Anybody else? Come on, a six. Can I get a seven? Eight, nine. Okay, 10, 11. I hear a, th- I hear a 13, right? 14. Anybody else? 15, 16, 17. Okay, all right, all right, okay. We got 16 honest people in here. By the way, y'all in deep water. For those of you who didn't raise your hand, we now know you're in deep water. You d- diluted, all right? Just... We just don't even, you don't even know you're in there. For those of us, which is all, when you're in deep waters, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. When you pass through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. When you walk through the fire, you won't get burned up. It will not consume you. The reason it won't consume you is because God is with you. It's protection. So here, listen to me. Check out. I'm I'm almost done. Just... God hasn't left you. God will never leave you. God is always there. Some of us just need to hear that. Well, pastor, how do you know? The Bible says he's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere all the time. God's never been on a vacation. He doesn't know how to take a trip. He's never booked anything on Southwest. He doesn't have a travel agent. Everywhere you go, he is there to protect you. Last one is this. Last one. What can I be thankful for? What can I be? Which, by the way, he's there even if you don't feel him. Some of you don't feel him. You're like, I don't feel him. Feeling is a terrible way to determine whether or not something is real. And we only do it with God, by the way. Because I can tell you, you never, you you can't feel a million dollars but you know it exists. Feeling is a terrible way to determine whether or not there's a God. It's not logical, so let's not talk about it like that. It's theological. Boom. All right, number, number four. Last one's this. Um, I can always be thankful for God's promise. God's promise. can always be thankful for God's preparing a place for me. My favorite verses in all the scripture. I, I might not read, I can't, I might not read, be able to say this without tearing up a little bit. Um, You know, promise. God's got a promise. John 14, Jesus says, I'm, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you. I, I like he says it. So I'm not just leaving. I'll come back. I'll take you to be there with me. That way, we, we accomplish what was this was all for in the first place. Not for you to be good, not for you to do the right things all the time, not for me to show you where you did everything wrong, so that we're together. So that you also may be where I am. And that gives me hope. It's like, my kids and I, we're going to, my family, we're planning a vacation. And we told them where we're going, and we're like, okay, so let's get excited. And every week, somebody brings it up like, Dad, we're going to go on vacation soon. And it's not for like another year. So it's like, you know, we're, we're gonna be, it's going to be amazing. And I'm like, all right. And they're like, we'll be good, Dad. We'll be good. We'll be good. We'll be good. We, we want to go. We're going to be good. We'll be good. And I'm like, you know, you're not going because you're good. Thank you for being good, though. You should be good. And, and, and I'm teaching them, you're not good to go on the vacation. 
You're good because you are going on a vacation. It's a reflection of how much you love God and how much you love the, just the goodness. We're not, we're not good to get to heaven. We're just, man, we try to do the right thing. We try to live godly because we are going there. God already did it. He punched the ticket. We couldn't buy for ourselves. I was reading, um, pastor described it this way, and I thought it was so good. I was going to try to say it myself, but I thought, you know what? I'll just read it. And if this speaks to you, I wonder if you just take a moment and just, in your own way, maybe you just confirm it. I like lifting my hands. I like saying amen. I got some of y'all in here. You're old school like me. You try to say a little amen. You try to shout down the preacher a little bit. And this is your moment. All right, I'm going to let you, let me let you off the hook a little bit. Sometimes I put you a little seatbelt on, but I'm going to take it off, all right? This is your moment. He says this. He says, I'm grateful that there's more to life than the here and now. I'm grateful that this mess is not the end of the story. I'm grateful that one day God is going to settle the score. I'm grateful that one day... Is going to balance out the books. I'm grateful that one day God is going to even the odds, that one day God is going to right all the wrongs. One day justice will be served. This life is not the end of the story, that God is going to close the bank accounts. He's going to wrap it all up. There's going to be a judgment day and there's going to be a day of heaven. We know that in heaven we will be reunited with our loved ones. I will be reunited with those who love the Lord and who are there. I know that there will be, uh, we will be released from all pain, that in heaven there will be no more broken minds for mental health. There will be no more broken bodies that don't work right. There will be no more broken dreams. There will be no more broken relationships. There will be no more broken communication. There will be no more broken hearts. There will be no more broken promises. There will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more suffering. We know that one day we will be rewarded and we will win. Yeah. In every dark moment of my life, one of the only things that has kept me going is that promise. One day. One day. And I guess the question you have to ask yourself, is that your promise? It's my promise. Uh, If this life was all there was, I'd be pretty sad. But it gives me hope that there isn't, that this isn't the only thing that we got to look forward to, that there's a a God in heaven who loves you so much. And it's my promise, and it's some of yours promise too, because you you said yes to Jesus, but but is it it your promise? Do you know? Do you know? And in the tough times that we're all going through, I pray that these four things can be something you can be thankful for, no matter what. God's grace, God's presence, God's redemption, God's promise. If you you could learn to do that, I think this Thanksgiving could be more than just a holiday. It could be a lifestyle. 